Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, it's all about spyware and efforts by foreign governments to steal our secrets, infiltrate our networks, plant disinformation, and possibly to set us up for defeat in the event of war. First, President Biden issued an executive order banning U.S. government agencies from using spyware that's deemed to be a threat to U.S. national security or is implicated in human rights abuses. This on the very same day that CNN reported 50 top U.S. officials are suspected or confirmed to have been targeted by invasive commercial spyware designed to hack into mobile phones. Also this week, continued concern in Washington about the use of the immensely popular Chinese-owned TikTok mobile app, which is now banned from use by federal employees on government-issued mobile devices. But why, I wondered, is TikTok getting banned when the owners of other social media platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram also collect, analyze, and sell the personal data of their users as well? Is it really all that different? Aren't they all the same? Aren't they all just as bad? I asked computer information systems professor Dr. John Nicholas, who teaches cybersecurity at the University of Akron. That's absolutely right. But the difference here is that TikTok was started by a Chinese company that is backed by the Chinese government. So it is not an independent company selling data, although TikTok also does sell your data just like the others. But the difference here is this has a direct tie to the Chinese government and president of TikTok said, well, they have not asked for us to share any data. And I, I'm, I guarantee you they haven't asked because they were told when TikTok was allowed to become a company in China, they were told they would share this data with them. So they didn't ask. So the big problem here is that it has a direct tie to the communist Chinese government. And that was a concern even with the Trump administration for they acquiesced and let it in here. The other companies, typically are American-owned and don't have, that we know of, of any direct ties to any foreign government. So while they're selling your data, from a point of view of a loss of your personal data, you're right, there's no difference between these companies. Difference is, in this case, it is an adversarial foreign government directly tied into the servers of a company that is watching what Americans do and allowing certain content in there that can influence thought. And that's the danger. I think what seems to be getting lost in translation a little bit as I'm hearing all these people on Capitol Hill and elsewhere debating this issue, I recognize that one, it's very popular and that over 150 million people in this country are using it. So that's a big swath of the public. But when we're talking about that subset of government employees, whether they're at the local, state or federal level, particularly the federal level, I can't understand why people aren't getting that you do not want a foreign country with whom we have an avowedly adversarial relationship, why you would want them to have that kind of access to your people's data. And I don't think that the nuance that people are getting is that the reason why the administration is doing this is because they're worried that at some point we might be in an actual hot war with China. I don't think people are thinking that. And I think you're right. And I think 
But what's happening is people are conflating two things, right? Then people conflate the First Amendment sometimes to mean that I can say whatever I want, however I want, wherever I want. And we know through 230, almost 250 years of history now, that is not the case, that there are things that are dangerous and that we have to guard against those things in the public sphere anyway, which is why they determined that the airwaves were public back in 1920 when KDKA went on the air and that there was some sort of government oversight of that while not limiting the ability of the free press to report on the government and, and corruption going on. So, And that's a fine line and it's a gray area. And a lot of what I hear from my students is that, well, so what? We do the same thing to them. Well, first of all, we're the good guys, right? We're the ones who back democracy. And so we can justify it in our own minds that way. Secondly, the Chinese government is trying to take down our country, and they're trying to do it through a social media war or a, a cyber war, really, just the same as Iran and Syria and Russia are. And if we don't recognize that the war that is already going on is not a cold war and it's, it's not a bombs war, it's a cyber war, and it is happening now, when you look at it from that point, it is a matter of national security. Well, I don't think that people appreciate where you're coming from on that. I don't think they understand it because if somebody were to just listen to that statement and say, we are in a war with China, it's a cyber war, they would say, well, I know they're hacking things. And well, I know that maybe they might steal maybe some plans from a steel company or something like that, but we're not in actually a cyber war. It sounds like you're saying that we actually are. We are, and, and we have been, and we have been since around 2008, quite frankly, and why none of these administrations have made a bigger deal out of it is very curious to me, because as I developed a cybersecurity degree here, and I started going to more and more of these meetings, both at the state level that involved the Ohio National Guard and the military, and the FBI and the NSA, this is what they have been saying this whole time. It just hasn't been politicized for better or for worse. And part of that may be that social media and all of that is, is a big, strong part of the economy now, and people don't want to upset that apple cart. But this cyber war has been going on for quite some time. In fact, in 2013, when we developed a digital forensics degree, we changed the cyber crime class to cyber warfare at that time. So, And that was the reason why, was that the FBI was saying this is going on. So I just think while we're so busy arguing over social matters and, and there's the culture wars and the social wars and whatever is going on and we're busy fighting with ourselves people don't want to really face the reality that while all that's going on there are foreign governments in there influencing that also and fueling that fire also when we're talking about specifically government handheld devices that people are walking around with i wonder if we could talk about really the actual threat that comes from having this particular social media on a government person's phone. Let's say it's somebody who's on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, or it's at the Defense Department, or it's somebody that's at a high level at the FBI. Could you explain like what could be an actual realistic threat that they could face were somebody from an adversarial foreign government to have their information? That could be wide ranging for any number of things. So for example, if the Senate Foreign Relations Committee happened to know that we were going to do some maneuvers with South Korea and the China Sea and the Navy, or we're going to partner with Taipei, and in that information were certain types of submarines or ships or planes that the Chinese didn't know that we had yet, that would tip our hand in terms of strategy. It would also let them know when and where things were going on so they could observe and watch our tactics and put it into their war machine. It could be something as simple as 
some diplomatic strategy that we're going to employ that we want to hold our cards close to our chest as we're dealing with the Chinese. But if they know what our ultimate goal is and what we're willing to sacrifice and what we're not willing to sacrifice, that's going to give them an advantage in negotiations. So any number of things uh, when it comes to the game of cloak and dagger and saber rattling in the international world could be revealed to our adversary and give them the upper hand. And let's just say things got very bad and we wound up being in an actual armed conflict. If somebody that was high up in the military had this on their phone or their kids had it on their phone, then literally their whereabouts at any given time could be tracked and they could be the target of an attack, right? It could be the target of attack. It could be, if you remember back when we went into Iraq in 2003, there were certain news agencies where their reporters were out front and saying, we're here and the troops are going to move this way. And then the Iraqi government was able to watch those news networks and see where our troop movement was going to be. And it put our troops at a, in huge danger. And so you can imagine now, even if TikTok is on this general's phone, let's say, and that general is communicating through another channel, but that data stored on the phone and there's something hidden in TikTok we don't know about that's grabbing that data, that, that could literally put hundreds of thousands of troops at, at risk during a wartime situation. So keeping this stuff off is a really good idea. And I think what people forget is we banned the Huawei hardware and a few other companies a few years ago because the Chinese were embedding spy chips into that and they were going into almost all of our networks around the country. So we've already banned Chinese hardware from the country. Uh, banning software to me for the same reason is not a large step. I get that people have an emotional attachment to TikTok. Some people do. I don't because I don't use it. And there's reason I don't use it. And it's along the lines of what we're talking about. But even if I did use it, I think that I might be able to parse out the difference between me, your average Joe citizen, using it to watch funny cat videos and the head of cyber command either having it on his phone or his children having it on their phone and that presenting a risk to him and his family. I just, I don't see why people can't get that. Well, it is curious. And, and I think we live in a world now where people believe what they want to believe and they believe what they believe is the truth. And then they do what we call bias confirmation or confirmation bias, where you actually, then you go out and you try to verify that you're right. So you put into the magic search engine machines, the sentence you want to read about, and it's going to take you to places of people who think like you do. And, and so I think trusting Walter Cronkite on the evening news as our sole source of information is a thing of the past. And everybody, they think their beliefs are the truth and they don't believe the truth. That's a problem. That is a problem. Getting to the broader issue, though, of the kind of data collection that's going on with social media, one of the things I suppose it makes me different than other people, or maybe people might think it's weird, but I don't do it because... I don't know anything about technology. I do it because I know a lot about technology. And that is, I just don't put social media apps on my phone. I have social media apps, but I have them maybe like on a laptop or a different device that isn't necessarily walking around with me all day. Right. And I don't think that makes me old fashioned. I think that just makes me security conscious. Would you agree with that or not? Do you think I'm going too far? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of, and depending on what settings you have on your mobile devices, some of these things track where you are at all times, you know, and that at the very least could show if somebody was stalking you online, it would show that you weren't at home, which would mean your house would be vulnerable at that point in time. 
And there's all kinds of reasons why that you, you wouldn't want to necessarily have it on a mobile device. I do the same way. I do most of my social media through a browser. I don't even think I have the apps downloaded. And it's for the same reasons that the more convenient it is for you to use, the less secure it is. And so I choose inconvenience and security over convenience and no security. Absolutely. It sounds to me like you're pretty clear about there being this demarcation between keeping data secure for national security and then the idea that people want to use social media for personal expression, et cetera, et cetera. So you see those as two different things. If you were to advise people about where is there a happy medium between the two, what would you say? The happy medium is if I'm a government employee and I have a personal phone and I choose to put these apps on my personal phone, then I should be banned from using that personal phone for any official government use. And that should be blocked. And then if I need a phone or some sort of mobile device for that government job, I should be given that by that agency and it should be secured to the highest level that that agency requires security-wise. And don't mix your government work and your regular life at all because really they're not separate. Even if I say, hey, you know what, today we talked about our policy with China at work on social media, not saying anything, at least now the Chinese would know that I'm involved with discussions about policies in China. And that makes me a bigger target um, to watch. And maybe they start trying to hit my personal social media with things that might influence me or, or trick me into saying something that I shouldn't be saying and that kind of thing. So hmm. we've oh, seen that government officials Famously, Donald Trump was always taking off on Hillary Clinton about using her personal email and there was government stuff. And then we found out, of course, that he had government stuff, you know, right. and his personal stuff, too. So it's pretty clear that it's very easy, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or who you are, that even if you have different separate devices, it's very hard to separate the personal from the business these days, especially once social media gets in the mix. Even if you didn't have social media, let's just say, I mean, with Hillary Clinton, it was never an issue of her social media. People were complaining about her plain old vanilla, boring email. And everybody's right. got email, right? Well, and that is kind of a problem too. I mean, not only with government agencies, but medical professionals, because you have a HIPAA concerns. Even with my profession as a college professor, we have FERPA concerns. So if I'm passing information back and forth on my personal device concerning students' grades, that's their personal information. So even in that regard, even away from the big, scary national security stuff, there are other laws that protect people's personal data. And so policies and companies are moving more towards it. If you're using a personal device for our company business, you have to load this security software on it. And we dictate what can come and go because we are the ones who are legally responsible for the protection of that data. Therefore, if you're using this device to access this data, you must conform to these rules. And so the other end of it is, you know, if you're going to use your personal device and try to do personal things on your personal phone and mix that with business, then technically it becomes a business device at that point because of the legalities of all of this. Right. But it seems to me that in quote unquote, the olden days, let's say 10, 15 years ago, it was more likely for companies to issue a company phone than it is now. Right. I mean, once people went to iPhones and stuff, companies we're like, well, we're not going to pay for that. And I think they just let people use their own phones. That's my observation. I don't know if that's true. You're in the business. Is that the way you look at it too or not? I think a lot of places have quit giving personal phones, but 
the other end of it has been that they make you load the software on there. You know, both the University of Akron and now that I'm moving to Ball State, both of them have me load certain security features on my phone so I can use it on their networks and use their email. And so that has sort of been the trade-off where they're no longer paying for those devices, but the sacrifice you make is you allow them certain access to your phone. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, my level of comfort with either is, I would say I'd be more comfortable having a company phone myself than doing it this way. But, and a software solution is much cheaper than buying everybody a phone and paying that monthly bill. Right. And just as we wrap this up, I mean, I'm just kind of geekishly interested in this now. If you had that security software on your personal phone and they did a remote wipe, would that just take that data off the phone or could it potentially take some of your personal data off? It could potentially take off some of your personal data. Kind of depends on the software they use and how good the IT folks were and how good you are at keeping it separate because maybe they're putting some sort of a signature on their documents to go through their servers now. And so maybe the software could go through and look for that signature and delete all of it. But if it was even something as benign as, you know, your vacation request form that you wanted to keep a copy of of yourself and put it in a personal folder, if it still had that signature, they could go in there and get that. But there's a lot of variable in, in that um, as far as what they can wipe and what they can't and what they should and what they shouldn't. I think I'd rather just have a separate phone, although that's a hassle. I mean, people don't want to carry two phones. But if I was a government official, like if I was a general or something, I think I definitely want my secure phone and then I'd want my personal phone and I wouldn't want to use the same device for both. No, 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 I, I wouldn't either. And, you know, maybe next evolution of this is when you go to a company, they're going to say either you agree to let us put this software on there on your personal phone, or you get a separate phone that you use just for work and you have to sign the agreement one way or the other, what you're going to do. But even at that point, now who's paying for the phone, the company or you, you know, it's all kinds of those issues. But I think that's going to be the next big policy discussion when it comes to cybersecurity and bring your own device technology. Well, I think it should be. And because it's larger than TikTok, to bring it kind of back around, it's much larger than this one app. And before we close, just one more thing about all the other apps that are collecting data. Again, I mean, I look at it like, well, let's say I had Facebook or I had Twitter on my phone. I know that they sell data. They sell it to Walmart or whoever else wants to track my purchasing habits. They want to see that I'm into rugs or home furnishings or whatever. Well, couldn't they just sell it to the government too if they wanted to? Well, they could be selling it to foreign governments through other entities that want to buy it too. I mean, we, we don't know that. So in terms of that personal data, that's one thing. And then that is a problem that they sell it. Now, there is the uh, European law, the GDPR, that says we get opt-out choices here in the United States. You have to opt in whenever you do business with a European company that falls underneath this. 27 states at least have very similar laws to that. At some point, there's going to be a national law regarding the uh, security of data privacy. And I think that this is where this TikTok thing is going, is that there's going to have to be a comprehensive national law that would be sort of a fourth amendment of electronic digital data in terms of privacy. But those are things to be solved down the road. I guess the difference is, again, 
with these private companies, if they're selling it for marketing reasons, it's not an adversarial government taking it without your knowledge and, and that kind of thing. And typically, whether you realize it or not, when you click that terms of agreement, you have agreed to allow that anyway. Nobody just really reads those terms of agreements, you know. <laughs> and so the way they get you is they give you this long thing that you're not going to read and you have to click accept on to get the software load anyway. And most of us don't know what we agreed to in the first place. Sure. I understand that. Right. So I guess I'm just such a skeptic about all of this. It's like one, you know, I'm absolutely in favor of and in agreement with the idea that you keep TikTok off of government phones. You just do that. But two, again, I'm such a skeptic. It's like, I just have reservations about all of it. And I know that probably to some people would make me seem like I'm old fashioned, but I'm not. I have not seen these social media companies act in a responsible enough manner that I really trust them one way or the other. I mean, I use them. I take it all with a grain of salt. And I like the European approach to it. I like it a lot. I think that they have more safeguards over there than we do here. They do. And again, the, the big difference though is those other companies are were not started by an adversarial government. And we have known since TikTok has been allowed to go on board that they still have those ties to the Chinese government. And so TikTok right now is a focus, but I think it's going to lead to this broader social media privacy investigation. I was reading this morning, Trump uh, was going to ban TikTok with an executive order. And then when they decided to divest their ownership and it became, quote unquote, American ownership, then he didn't sign the executive order. And then when Biden came to office, he expanded that whole thing to look at all social media companies to look for this very sort of thing for the same reason, for the same concerns that you have, is that they have not really been ethical and, the, and their whole business model has been get as much information on you and I as they can and then sell it to whoever wants to buy it. And we don't know who that data is going to ultimately. That was computer information systems professor, Dr. John Nicholas, who teaches cybersecurity at the University of Akron. And that's it for now. I'm Jean Destro. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Jean Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.